Hello, Janksters. Welcome to the initial episode of the Magic Jank Podcast, the weekly podcast where you can get all of the latest news and janky goodness as it relates to Magic the Gathering. I am one of your hosts. My name is Graham. I go by Hamhawks42 on the internet, and I'm joined by the the ones, the only, that doesn't make sense, but let's go with it, Efrain, aka Hollywood Pizza, and Carlo C. Favreto Jr. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Carlo, let's start with you. How are you, how are you doing, man? How, how, was, uh, how have you been? I've been doing good. Can't complain too much, you know. Uh, <laughs> making some content here and there for a bunch of different platforms, but mostly on Twitch. Wait, you uh, make content? That's where you can no find me at cfavreto underscore junior on Twitch and all the other social platforms. Love it. And Hollywood, how you doing, my friend? Hey, how's it going? Uh, I just got over a little bit of a cold. Uh, fortunately, I was out there for a few days, but I'm back. Uh, Going to get back on the content train as well myself. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Hollywood Pizza. And on YouTube, you can find me as Pizza Box MTG, um, as most people know, because I host the tournaments under Pizza Box MTG, but uh, stream it on Twitch as Hollywood Pizza. So, uh, yeah, everything's a lot better, feeling a lot better, that's for sure. <laughs> Excellent. Dude, we are so glad to have you back. And this show is, as always, sponsored by MagicJank.com, the online marketplace where you can buy and sell Magic the Gathering products and gear. And it's not just listed... It's not just limited, rather, to sealed product and singles. You can also, uh, if you have a Magic the Gathering-themed product of some kind, whether that is tabletop accessories, tokens, custom art, T-shirts, you name it, feel free to list those on magicjank.com, reach a new audience, and, well, you know, sell that product and bring that joy that we all have to the game to each other. Uh, magicjank.com. So with that, uh, we're, we're just getting started. This is the very first episode. I'm very excited. And we wanted to get things started with talking about a, a recent event because you actually, both of you had the privilege of going to Command Fest Baltimore. And I got to say, I saw some of the pictures from, from the event and it looked like you were having an excellent time. So I'm just curious, uh, how was that event and what were kind of your takeaways from it? Yeah, so uh, SCG Baltimore, Command Fest Baltimore, um, is an event that was featured all around the country, right? But we got to go to the Baltimore uh, version of that. Um, Command Fest was nice. Um, there wasn't like a huge, huge crowd, but I would say about medium-sized crowd, which is still good. Um, we got to interact with a bunch of different players, play some awesome games of Commander and other formats, too, if you wanted to. Um, mm -hmm. But it was pretty sweet how they had it set up. Um I went all three days. I went the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, met a lot of people. And it was really nice, you know, when you signed up for it um, with your package that you got, whatever you purchased, it actually came with like this little circle here um, that said, hey, looking for a game or taking a break. So you could just go out to any open table space, plop this down and some other players would join you. Or if you were just chilling out after playing a long two hour game or something like this, uh, you could say, no, nope, taking a break for a couple minutes or you know, whatever you needed to do. Um, and it was fun. Lots of fun interaction. Um, you know, players very friendly with one another. Um, didn't have any, like, sort of, like, squabbles going on, even though somebody might soul ring you on turn one. Um, but it was it was quite a fun time. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I agree with everything Carlos said. It was a blast. Uh, definitely was a little bit more like, yeah, the medium-sized crowd. Um it actually felt super chill for being in like a big city. Um, it the vibes always at these events is really cool. Like I walked around, um, looked at some vendor booths, uh, looked at the artist tables. It's always really cool to like actually go hang out uh, with the artists and the fact that they like bring all that to these like pretty much like smaller quote unquote cons is incredible. Mm. And the atmosphere still feels great. Everyone's having a really good time and. Yeah, I mean, finding Commander games is easy, and yeah, it's always just a really good group of people. Yeah, and while you were there, you could get this cool play map that is Lord of the Rings inspired. Oh, let's sweet. go! It's that full art where all the cards come together and formulates this this uh, battlefield here. Um, so now we got this cool little play map to go to commemorate the event, and then of course the release of Lord of the Rings, which people were playing a ton of everywhere. Um, you know. Command Fest wasn't just for Commander. I mean, they had like a, a 20K Legacy event going on there. 
they had um, some re-CQs, which basically if you went 5-0, you would qualify for the regional championship type thing. Um, and that was mostly modern based. They had pre-releases going on all weekend, drafts that were rolling as soon as they filled with eight people. It was, it was a really good event. Nice. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Vibes for sure. Uh, just a lot of like, yeah, there was just like a lot going on. Like I said, even for like a small con, it's just like incredible, like how much they actually had going on. I really wasn't expecting like, uh, as much gaming quote unquote as there was there was even a flesh and blood uh event at the same time so they were literally fitting in like multiple games uh you know groups of all kinds like it, it was really really incredible uh, experience uh definitely you know uh its own thing compared to philly uh where philly mm -hmm. uh, i felt like the whole convention was massive right Mm -hmm. uh, this one was a little bit more close knit, obviously, you know, being more like a SCG con is a little different, but uh, it still felt a lot cozier and a lot more like, you know, friendly, yeah. uh, not as intimidating as I think Philly might have been for some people if that was like their first con or something like that. Right, I get that. Yeah, Mag MagicCon Philadelphia, we all had the privilege of going to that one, and it was an absolute blast, but you're right, it was definitely a pretty big event. Uh, my big takeaway from that was that, oh, the Magic community is full of awesome, approachable people. You know, like, we got all kinds of random games in, and I don't know, I'm, I liked everyone I met. <laughs> you know, which yeah. like, I can't imagine the last big social gathering that I went to where I could say that, um, including family reunions, but let's not, worth, let's not think about that. Um, and I also did have the privilege of going to MagicCon Minneapolis, and the vibe was very similar. Um, the space was a little more spread out than it was in Philly, so like there, there were the rooms were kind of partitioned differently, um, but I gotta say it was a very similar vibe, and I'm glad to hear that these Command Fests, despite being just mathematically smaller events and i'm glad to hear that those vibes are still there and that it's just yeah quality all around i gotta say if you're if you're listening to this or watching this on the youtube and you've never been to an in-person magic event whether it's one of these command fests or whether it's um you know the magic cons or any of the larger events definitely give it a try if you love this game and you want to be surrounded by you know well like-minded nerds who also really like this game it, it's a fantastic experience yeah cannot recommend it enough um yeah, and Carlo, thank you for showing me that playmat. I didn't realize that was a thing. I need to see if I can get my hands on one of those because that art is yeah, fantastic. Awesome. Oh, and of course that playmat exists. It better. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of Lord of the Rings, another topic that I wanted to discuss actually was the Lord of the Rings, the, the Tales of Middle-Earth, the newest universes beyond set that they just rolled out. Wizards has never really done anything like this before. This is pretty unprecedented. And they went for a huge IP in the Lord of the Rings. You know, it's one of those franchises that people are naturally going to gravitate towards. Um, there are millions of fans all around the world. Yep. And so tying that to Magic the Gathering, and I also think it's safe to say there's probably a lot of crossover. I know I definitely fall within the, the you know, the middle of the Venn diagram between Lord of the Rings fans and Magic fans. So it makes a lot of sense for them to create an entire set for Universes Beyond for the first time, an entire draftable Magic the Gathering set around Lord of the Rings. So with it, we have a lot of different, you know, th this release was something that we've never seen before. I personally think it was pretty successful. I'm very excited for these cards and I've really enjoyed the the bits that I've, you know, I played with quite a bit on Arena especially, but I've also played a little bit in person. Just as far as the, the set as a whole goes, how are your, you know, what are your opinions on, on the set? Yeah, so I mean, we all had the opportunity to do early access uh, for Lord of the Rings, and it was a blast to play limited. Um, I didn't play too much of like the alchemy or historic matches, but it definitely was a very fun de um, set to draft. Um, still very much is a fun set to draft. Uh, we did a couple of those, and it the synergies of the set work really well together. Um, you know, and then playing with the cards in person, whether that be at a pre-release or um playing with the new cards in commander or something like this some are pretty powerful um which honestly was expected from my end because you know this was the modern horizons set of the year and considering how powerful the last two modern horizon sets were mm -hmm. um i wouldn't put it past uh watsi to make a very powerful set or at least cards that you know kind of broke that barrier of is this broken um, and there are quite a few cards that do that, both in Modern uh, and in Commander. 
So, uh, you know, I think we know what cards that we're talking about. <laughs> I was seeing suspicion. I know at least one of them that we're, that we're all thinking about. And uh, for those watching on the YouTube, I did just go ahead and pull it up. And uh, I know the, the one that comes to my mind immediately is Orcish Bowmasters. That, that card is an absolute house. Yeah, there it is. Um, depicted on that panorama. That's <laughs> the That's Battle right. of Pelor Fields panorama. Um, yeah, Orcish Bowmasters, it's an incredible card. It's super-duper efficient and super-duper cheap. And it's funny that you mentioned the difference between alchemy and draft because the reality is, in my experience, if you're playing in alchemy, your deck needs to be ready for a turn two Bowmaster. It just does. You're probably going to see it. It's one of the most powerful cards in the entire format, and it's just going to show up. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's quite a powerful card in multiple formats, I would mm -hmm. say. Um, but, you know, I think there's some other highlighted cards from the set that's going to make definitely a, an impact. Um, another one I'm thinking of off the top of my head is Delighted Halfling. Uh, definitely a modern playable card. You know, it's a one green for a one, two. Taps for a colorless by itself. Uh, or mana of any color for a legendary. And the spell can't be countered. Um, which is super powerful, especially in modern. Um, mm. And, you know, this card is probably sitting at about like 15 bucks right now as we speak. Um, and it's well worth it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have your hand on these cards yet and you play that format, probably should get your hands on it. Um, but the talk really I've seen of this week is the power level of literally the one ring. Um, if you check out the one ring, you know, I got one right here. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> It's not the $2 million one, but well, I mean. it's still a, the one ring and it is a very powerful card. Definitely making splashes on the magic online challenges. Um, if you want to go ahead and take a look at some of those results, basically, I think this is the next Reckoner bank buster, but of the modern format, hmm. it's colorless. Every deck can play it. It literally gives you protection from everything. The turn it comes down and it enables you to draw cards um, and there's no downside to playing or casting multiple one rings a game, even though the card's legendary. Mm -hmm. So um, I think this card might get a little out of hand. I don't know that it's more broken than the free spells that we see in the modern format, but it definitely is pushing the barrier. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's funny because for modern, I always feel like it takes a lot of power to actually break the format, right? Like, we, we need some, like, we either need some over-the-top cards like Pitch Elementals or you need, like, some ridiculous uncommon, like, Dragon Rage Channeler. Like, you need all these, like, insanely, insanely, like, pretty much efficient threats or efficient cards in general, right, spells, mm -hmm. uh, to break the format. And the One Ring is kind of, like, this interesting card because it is essentially giving you like a time walk effect by giving you protection for a whole turn. So this is obviously great in combo decks because it helps you get that one turn off you need before you can really go off if you were about to die. Uh, it's really good in mid-range strategies where let's say you're playing your Omnaths and your Elementals and then why not sign the one ring? Now they can't activate their ran on anything that you have. They can't bounce something with Teferi. Mm -hmm. uh, they can't fury your cards. They can't even solitude. And you know, they can't like, you know, once that ability resolves, they can't really do much until your next turn. Um, so, you know, the ability to draw extra cards is kind of insane, right? Like essentially what ends up happening with this card is it's four mana to draw three cards and lose one life. That is the initial cost of this card up front. Four mana, three cards, one life. That, that's straight up, right? You play it, you draw a card. Next turn, well, draw two more. Well, you only took one. Um, and mm -hmm. then now you have three extra cards you can start casting that turn. Mm -hmm. And if you crack your fetch land with your Omnath out, hell, you can cast another ring. Uh, and then, you know, kind of keep the party going, right? Reset your ring so that's you it. don't take that much damage. Like, mm -hmm. there's... You know, I'm only even just, like, scratching the surface of the plays, right? Like, there's so many more play to this card. Like, being able to maybe untap it, uh, you know, mm -hmm. being able to bounce it, recast it again. Maybe there's games where uh, you, you can just bounce it for the rest of the game and your opponent literally can't do anything. Uh, they have no way of dealing with you now. Uh, you know, this as a burn player, this card's insane because if they do find a way of just replaying it, then your whole deck's just done. You can't can't do anything yeah. i mean any kind of aggressive strategy can't deal with it the card's indestructible yeah. uh yep. you know the one one of the cards that comes to mind that's already indestructible in the format is um the cauldra that makes the germ token i'm sorry i can't remember the full name of it uh cauldra complete complete yeah cauldra yep. complete thank you so cauldra yep. complete 
uh, is a car that's actually really good. The reason it's mm -hmm. really good is because it's instructable. Most of the effects in the format are destroy effects for artifacts, right? We have wear and tear, uh, shatter, shattering spree, uh, you know, vandal blast. You can you name name all these cards, right? A shatter storm, you know, mm -hmm. like all these cards can't deal with this card. Yeah, they also uh, destroy. Even, yeah, even if not you, like, exile. Go back yeah. to 2014 and use a stony silence. It doesn't matter. They have a five-five creature that's indestructible that's exiling everything. Um, so. I think the one ring kind of plays similar to this card. Uh, for me, the decks that really get big off of the one ring are decks like Amulet Titan, where they just need like one extra turn to go off. And the one ring can kind of give you that protection before you need to Titan or, um, you know, give yourself that protection before you hard cast the Fury so you can really blow out your opponent. But I feel like yeah. this is this is a card that maybe we looked at and we thought it could be good in modern and we're now finally seeing the actual results and i think it's it's surprising that this is the card uh, of mm -hmm. any card that we've seen so far yeah and you know we haven't even talked about karn the great creator and modern <laughs> with the one ring yeah because essentially you could play three one rings in your deck one in the sideboard with four karn the great creators to search up the one ring oh. right um oh. which is silly Right? It's practically seven rings off. in your deck. That's, yeah, that's yeah you activate, uh, you make your opponent's ring not be able to do anything. Right. You keep your ring going. It's, uh, who knows, maybe we can finally see Karn start to get some band talks <laughs> in modern. <laughs> uh, the other card I'm thinking about that I held up to the camera for you here is Cast Into the Fire, which is also from Lord of the Rings. Um, it is a two-mana spell, so one in a red. Deals a damage to up to two creatures or exiles target artifact. Not so not only is it an answer for the one ring, but also an answer for, you know, any type of efficient artifact removal. Um, whereas in the past, you definitely would want to play something. Um, I'm thinking of the other two mana spell that flashes back for a green ancient grudge. Uh, but this might be worth it to play from now on. And it's also a possible removal spell outside of just artifacts. Kills that Dragon Rage channeler I was talking about earlier. It sure certainly does. does. It kills mm -hmm. Ragavan. It kills yep. Delver of Secrets. Mm -hmm. uh, kills lots of relevant one-drops, except Death Shadow. But, you know, it, it's definitely a, a great removal spell. I expect to see this being played a lot more. That, that's a great call, and I hadn't considered that, but... Yeah, you're absolutely right. That actually looks like it's designed with modern in mind. There were plenty of times in draft where I remember looking at that and thinking, I mean, one damage to two things, there might be some games I want that, but meh, just moving on. Yeah. But you're right, in constructed environments, if the ring is, in fact, the you know the real deal, as we're discussing, then, yeah, this is a great, clean answer to it. And it better be. It's depicting the moment when the ring gets destroyed. You better be able to destroy the ring with this thing. So, yeah. No, that, that's awesome. So, when it comes to the the interaction with the one ring i was actually amazed i've tinkered a lot around with it a little bit in historic the sheer number of options that there are for recurring it in one way or another being able to bounce it back being able to replay it play it from your graveyard which if you have the legend rule you can do crazy things with that mm -hmm. so like emery lurker the lock is one that allows you to just recast it from your graveyard if you can get it in the graveyard and you have one ring online one ring in your yard and an emery on board unless emery dies your opponent just can't touch you. You're, you are just progenitus for the rest of the game, and there's nothing they can do. And it feels fantastic, if I may say. Granted, that's that's dependent on a on a two toughness creature surviving. So that doesn't happen very often. But there's another card that interacts with the ring in an insane way that I will I want to get your guys' opinion on, um, and that is release to the wind. This is a bulk rare from Ixalan. I think it was Rivals of Ixalan that was just dismissed out of hand it's an instant for two and a blue exile target non-land permanent for as long as that card remains exiled its owner may cast it without paying its mana cost i've played this card a ton uh i think it's the, great right the main thing i'm <laughs> usually doing is getting a tibalt for free well uh, that's pretty great too yeah. off the valky right like turn two valky take your card you're about to cast and my next turn uh exile it then recast it as the planeswalker so you get like <laughs> insane value so i i feel like this card does a lot with the ring uh protects your mm -hmm. ring and you get to cast it again uh like you're saying re-getting that value of that cast trigger and protecting mm -hmm. yourself if there's a way for you to get obviously there's a way for you to recur this release to the wind so if you can kind of just like get that plus the release of the wind going you're actually getting a ring kind of at a discounted rate 
Mm-hmm. You know, when you first brought up this card, I'm like, here comes the jank. Uh, because definitely, <laughs> Release to the Wind is definitely some jank, but I'm here for it. Yeah, buddy. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, personally, I've ever played this card. Um, I will guarantee, though, I have four sitting in a bulk box somewhere. I, I believe um, it. But, you know, it, it, it seems pretty sweet, yeah. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they're going right on these. This is about a dime. So if you have some change in your like center console of your car, you can get a place out of these, no problem. Um, so I don't know. I, I think there might be some potential here. Because, yeah, being able to get, it recasts the ring. You So if you activate the ring the second turn, you draw two cards, cast this, then you recast the ring, you can tap it, draw another card. You're resetting the burden counters. So you draw four off it and you only lose one life at the beginning of the, wow. of the upkeep. I mean, yeah, it's... The, the the value is there if it lines up. You know, that's really what it comes down to, is if it lines mm-hmm. up, it's pretty sweet. So, yeah, no, this this card is bad. Don't get me wrong. It is bad. But it happens to synergize very nicely with the ring. And I mean, The ring is looking really good. The ring, it is, the ring yeah. is looking a lot better every time that we uh, talk about it. It seems like there's... And Carlo's, like, 100% right. It's a colorless card. Like, literally every deck can play this card. Mm-hmm. I could play it in the burn deck if I um, really want yeah. to. I'm telling you know what I mean? Here, like, this is Modern's next Reckoner Bankbuster. I think you're right. I do. Yeah, I think people are gonna have to people are gonna have to bring answers for it. Yeah, and that's gonna be tough to do if you can really abuse that ETB. Yeah. And indestructible. <laughs> and it's and it's, exactly it's yeah. <laughs> gonna gonna have to start you know looking for volcano cards here in a second to see if. Yeah. Uh, Right. We can deal with this card. <laughs> the other thing I really liked about um, Lord of the Rings is it brought us a lot of different legends. I think there's something like 70 plus legendary creatures in this set. That sounds alone, right. <laughs> uh, which is certainly a commander's player's paradise. Um, you know, one card I'm looking forward to playing is Saruman of Many Colors. Uh, it's an Esper legend from the main set, not the commander decks. Um, and some of these cards came printed with tons of strange ward abilities. Uh, like Saruman is discard an enchantment, instant, or sorcery card in order to target it with something. Um, and something's got to be broken about these legends. So I'm, I'm I think Saruman's in, like, pretty building a commander deck amount around this card. <laughs> like Saruman's super strong. It's just the ward yeah. is already like very demanding. So if you like, no, no one has any of those cards. Uh, then Saruman's gonna stick out there, and yeah, obviously you hit the right card, like, and you cast, and the game's just over, right? Like you're like, oh, I guess I hit Insurrection. I guess I take everyone's creatures, and you all lose now. That's, That's it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And I still have all my mana untapped. Uh, yeah. And you you can do this at instant speed. You can mm-hmm. cast two instants on their turn, and get something for free end step, and then get to untap or something. Like it's card. This card yeah, exactly. is nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely bananas. Because, yeah, you can just be like, yeah, I'm going to opt, and then I'm going to throw out some flash dork I don't care about. Oh, hey, that's the triggers. Let's go. Yeah, right. it's yeah, it's kind of insane. Yeah, the amount of... Yeah, no, th- this card is a phenomenal build around. And you're right, that that ward, I mean, that, that might as well have hexproof in some matches. I mean, mm-hmm. that's... <laughs> Yeah, no, this thing is incredibly powerful. Uh, to be honest, I think this one's going to be interesting because I have a feeling the secondary market price is going to stay relatively low because the text box is just so confusing. I think a lot of people are going to be turned off who otherwise would really like to play with this card. Right. That's the only downside I see with this particular one, but that's kind of an anomaly. Um, yeah, but it's funny you mentioned the weird ward because there is a Sauron in this set. I want to make sure I get the right one. Uh, Sauron the Dark Lord. And it has a very specific ward as well, where the ward is sacrifice a legendary artifact or legendary creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not really happening. Not often, and, no. Uh, and and if somebody can satisfy that requirement, it's going to hurt to do it. You know, right. <laughs> that's, yeah, it's funny. There are plenty of times where it's funny. The word sacrifice is tied to so many positive things in magic. You know, it's like, oh, I get to sacrifice stuff. Yay. It's like, well, it's a sacrifice. It's supposed to be a loss. And this time, this feels like it is. Like if you're, if you're having to sacrifice your commander in order to take out Sauron, like you're not happy about that. That feels, (laughs) that's, that's, yeah, that is in fact a sacrifice. Um, But then it has these other abilities where whenever an opponent casts a spell, you amass orcs one. Whenever an opponent casts any spell, in a four-player commander pod, how often does that happen? Holy cow. And right. then whenever an army you control deals combat damage to a player, the ring tempts you. Whenever the ring tempts you, you may discard your hand and draw four cards. <laughs> Seems great to me. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
one of my <laughs> biggest takeaways from this set uh, that, like, going into this, my expectation was the Warhammer 40K. I thought Warhammer 40K was probably the best universes beyond at that time they've ever done, right? They just killed it with yeah. the 40K decks on flavor, the card power, all that stuff. Everything was just 100%. And I think that everything that they learned from 40K, they essentially applied to the Lord of the Rings set. And I think that this set has something for everybody. I think that's why it just hits the nail out of the park, right? Like, oh, you you know, we even started the the conversation with not even anything that's like casual or commander based. We literally were like, here goes Orcish Bowmaster and here's the one ring. Mm -hmm. These are cards we think get played in like modern legacy, whatever, right? Like mm -hmm. so, you know, the fact that Lord of the Rings is able to catch the competitive player's eye, and then it's also able to catch the tabletop gamer's eye with a card like the Sauron that we just looked at. Um, you know, able to kind of just like reach out to everybody is really incredible. And I think that that's kind of like how Warhammer felt uh, mm -hmm. in the same regard where all the cards were great. Uh, it made people who weren't into Warhammer kind of want to get into it. Yeah. And Lord of the Rings is kind of the same way where Lord of the Rings is getting people who wouldn't normally be into magic, uh, into magic in the same way even uh, 40K did. And I think that what I like so far that, uh, Wizards of the Coast essentially has done with these intellectual properties is that they have really like committed to the fan service mm -hmm. all while giving us cards that are functional and really, really playable, right? Like if let's say example, like they make this set in the early 2000s, right? Uh, we would expect most of the legendaries to be overcosted, not really have much of an ability and kind of be a little bit more like uh, a little more boring. But I feel like mm -hmm. these cards are so splashy. They do so much. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the Warhammer cards, you were looking at Abaddon as like yeah. a great example where <laughs> Abaddon has Mark of Chaos. It has its own mm -hmm. ability, right? All those cards in the Warhammer 40Ks, they all have their own special keywords. They all do these specific powerful things. And Lord of the Rings is kind of in the same way where it's like, hey, look, here's here's the halflings. And, you know, here's Gandalf. Yeah. And Gan here Gandalf does all these crazy things with spells. You know, you can be a wizard too. And it's like... It, it really brings out a lot of the flavor. And I just feel like for my money, this is probably like the best design set they've ever done. Mm -hmm. Like, I yeah. think it's really hard, you know, to kind of compare it obviously to the worlds that we're used to, because the worlds we're used to are their own made up thing by wizards or by, you know, whoever makes, you know, the R and D, all this stuff, whoever makes all this stuff essentially kind of gives us these new places without much backstory or kind of like the i don't know i don't know how long lord of the rings has been around but lord of the rings has been around for like what like at least 50 something years right more than that yeah. um so i mean you know we already have a lot going with lord of the rings and the fact that mm -hmm. they were able to kind of like hit a home run with the set is really really incredible i think that we're like I feel like we witnessed like one of the greatest things ever in the game. And now they're culminating it with at um Magicon Barcelona. Elijah Woods is gonna be their DJ at Magicon. Like, That's hello? so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. They just I, know what to do. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. I was thinking like, man, I would love to make it out to Barcelona. Obviously way not in the cards for me. Um but it was like, man, I really, uh, that would be so cool. It'd be neat. Oh, well. And then I saw that email be like, oh, and by the way, the official party is going to be DJed by Elijah Wood and his, you know, D apparently he's part of a DJ duo. And it was just like, okay, how many kidneys am I going to have to sell to get out right, there? Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is going to be a blast. Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, so I did, uh, like, with a quick quick side Googling, as people do when they're podcasting. No, they won't admit to it, but they all do. Um, the Lord of the Rings, apparently, the Fellowship of the Ring was published in uh, 1954. So we're coming up wow. on 70 years. And The Hobbit was actually published in the 30s, the 1930s. So, yeah. Um, so almost 100 years. I mean, we have 100 years <laughs> to go off of story. Oh, my and goodness. And they're still... It, it's just incredible. I... Mm -hmm. I I'm like kind of in awe still. I'm not going to lie, guys. Like, you know, the set dropped. We had like a line to the door. Mm -hmm. uh, people just kept buying it and buying it and buying it. And at one point we had uh, these two people at our register and they each were opening three boxes. 
so they're box off right it's like here's a box here's a box and then two more people came in they each bought a box separately so you had like you know eight boxes being opened and right, like I just want to open just some nuts. more packs. Like, like give me it, the packs. Yeah, yeah, and everybody everybody just wants it. I've never seen a set. I think the first Modern Masters. I think the first Modern Masters where yeah. I just kept wanting to buy more of it. I was like, well, who has a box? Oh, I gotta look online, I gotta buy more of it. And everyone that bought some was like insanely excited about that set too. They just wanted to buy more of it. It felt like you couldn't when you open a booster pack, it felt like you couldn't miss with that set. And Lord of the Rings feels like that too. I mean, you open a booster, it feels good. You're like, oh, here's some, here's just right. some cool cards, right? Like, I feel like a lot of that uh, isn't doesn't always feel the same when we open set boosters, the standard sets. But with this set, it's just it's incredible. Yeah, and you know, I love what they did with the lands, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, re reprinting some expensive lands as like box toppers or cards that are worth opening up out of collector boosters like Urborg, Tomb of Yogmoth, or <laughs> Balan's Tomb, like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> and then a bunch of different types of foil versions of these things, like the Surge foils being rarer than serialized soul rings. Like, what is that? <laughs> so I'm not just, like, buying product to try to open a serialized card, but I can randomly open a card that's worth, like, I don't know, 1K out of my booster pack. Like, hello? Like, what other <laughs> set has ever done that? um yeah and, the value in this set's insane it's like yeah, through yeah. the roof and the, the cards like the cards i kept telling people i was like the cards aren't really going to go if they go down they're not going to go down by much and if anything mm -hmm. the one rings got more expensive as a card now that it's like getting played it's like oh this could be a hundred dollar card the and one it's a card that's in the bundles like 180 tickets on magic the gathering online <sighs> that's oh. crazy right yeah, and for, for folks who don't play MTGO, uh, a ticket does equate to $1. So there is a one-to-one -one conversion. So, yeah, if you want to play with a single copy of the One Ring on MTGO right now, it is almost $200. That is... Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, oh, so my goodness. All, this set's just value. I think mm -hmm. I think you can't go wrong even open just set boosters. I, you, know, we're mo you know, obviously, we're talking about collector boosters, and we're talking about the huge, huge hits, but even mm -hmm. opening some set boosters is cool. I mean, you get... You just get some cool cards. It's yeah. It's a really neat experience to like have. We all played this game for a long time. It's just really cool to open the pack and kind of get more than just like, oh, we're getting another Jace or oh, we're getting another. Oh, look, we're back at this, and you know, you know, re even returning to Ravnica has kind of lost a lot of its flavor. Uh, you know, such a cool place like that, and uh, you know, the magic for magic's sake. Um, but. You know, being able to open these packs and kind of open some cards that you wouldn't normally be able to open is just, it's a really cool yeah. experience. And I think that's a good, like, transition to move over to talking about, like, there's new sets that are coming out. Yeah. Right? And fast. Right? Next month is the mm -hmm. Doctor Who uh, Commander decks that are coming out. And, you know, while I honestly can admit to I've never seen an episode of Doctor Who in my life. <laughs> Um, you know, it's got its own fan base. So it's another way mm -hmm. to sort of merge these different worlds, you know, like Hollywood was just talking about, right? Um, you know, those who have never associated themselves with magic or like me have never associated myself with Doctor Who um, into looking more into about it, right? So it's merging those worlds together and bringing up some sweet cards um, for us to play with. And, you know, that that is something that's coming out, I think, in October, right? So yep. that's another... Um, another worlds beyond right yeah well, um, and that's a great call out and you both touched on something that i think is really important the cross-pollination of these universes beyond products cannot be i mean we shouldn't discount that it's easy to lose sight of that but you know when it comes to the warhammer decks it's really interesting they brought that up because like i'm a total sucker for lord of the rings and i'm a total sucker for magic so this is one of those just hook it to my veins you're not selling me anything new but i'm buying it anyway let's go but like with warhammer i was aware of warhammer for a while. Like, I played a little bit of the Warhammer Fantasy when I was a kid, but I never really fully died, you know, fully invested. I always thought 40K looked cool, but it was something that I was always kind of peripherally aware of. The moment those commander decks came out, the community reaction to it, watching the excitement of these magic players who are also invested into 40K and hearing them kind of preach, you know, all about the 40K mythos, I got excited about it. And to the point where 
I found myself like I, if I had a little extra ex- expendable income, I might have been paying in miniatures on the weekend. You know, like I was really interested yeah. in in diving into that world all of a sudden in a way I had I hadn't been since I was I don't know fourteen. You know, <laughs> like that's really cool, and we're seeing that here. And yeah, so and Carl, exactly. If the commander decks, if one of them happens to have a couple of cool cards, and you know, like all of a sudden maybe the Daleks are freaking sweet, and you're just like, what are what's the story with these guys? These cards are awesome. I like playing playing them. Maybe I'll check out a couple episodes of Doctor Who, and who knows? You might find you really enjoy it. You know, like that's really cool. Like I love that. Yeah, yeah that that is noteworthy, and I think what it is mutually beneficial for both parties. You know, wizards and the owners of these IPs. We're kind of yeah. spoiled, man. Like I think that we get so used to wanting to see it in like movies. Uh, we're mm-hmm. like, oh man, look, you know, Batman and Superman and this and that, right? But in Magic, like the cards don't even have to be like insanely insane. The cards don't <laughs> even really. have to be like the craziest thing you've ever seen. It's just like, Oh look, they put this on a card. Oh, that's so cool. Right. It's like, we are so spoiled. Like we, we literally get the best of both worlds and mm-hmm. it's really hard for them to mess it up. Like yeah. really, really hard mm-hmm. for them to mess it up. And you're right. Like I can't wait to see like what the doctor who stuff looks like. It's going to be incredible, right? Like there's going to be, maybe the same keyword abilities like we saw in the Warhammer. Maybe it's going to be very like, um, maybe it's going to feel like what Strixhaven should have felt like or something, right? Maybe it's <laughs> going to feel like what, um, you know, kind of expanding into like this other type of thing that we've never had in magic, like time travel or, you know, we don't mm-hmm. even know what mechanics could be in it. It could be like all these weird offbeat mechanics that we've never seen before, like battles or maybe even like um, what's the, the plane chase. Or something like that. I feel like there's so much right. for them to kind of like. There's so much. Like there's. I feel like we're only going up from here. Even though the Lord of Rings is obviously like a really huge IP. I think like anything that they do going forward. I feel like it's got to be like a 10 out of 10. Right. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like Assassin's Creed is going to be like something that's going to get us interested. Like there's so many IPs yeah. uh, that they're dipping their yeah. feet into that. Or they're going to turn into like magic. And you're right. They, they bring. It's so funny. Like how much we now know about more you know more about these different like uh ips or like these different ideas and lord of the rings like i said assassin's creed like you know warhammer like it's crazy that they're just diving so deep and kind of like making all of us kind of like one big community Mm -hmm. and you know being able to share all these things that we wouldn't be able to share but now that it's on cardboard we're able to play it and we're able to see it and Right. We get a better idea of what, you know, these universes are about. It, it's I can't get over it. It's just so awesome. Yeah. Like, it's really cool. Oh, 100%. And they did confirm, by the way, that in the Doctor Who Commander decks, there will be plane chase cards. Mm-hmm. And so they they will feature different locations from the show. Like there's one that we've seen so far. The, the Lux Foundation Library is one where a lot of there's a very impactful moment. Silence in the Library was a very meaningful episode uh, for the 10th Doctor's run during David Tennant's uh, tenure. Um and yeah, so a very that was a very popular episode that really kind of, yeah. And so that being represented on a card, sweet, like you know, uh, yeah. Great. And then getting you it. know like commander players excited to play more plane chase. Mm-hmm. You know, recently in the all will be one. I'm sorry, not all will be one. March the machines, they had released plane chase cards in commander decks, right? So they sort of already hyped us up for this return of plane chase, and then putting the Doctor Who universe into Magic the Gathering as a plane you can literally travel to uh, is is pretty sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, I'm super I, excited. I, well, and it makes sense. Plane Chaser, like, thematically, it absolutely fits the Doctor because mm-hmm. it's all about an alien traveling through space and time to all these different places. So Right. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. this uh, gives us another way of actually playing Commander, right? And we have another Commander set coming out. We sure do. Uh, on top of this, which is the Commander Masters. So I feel like, man, we've had a lot of Master sets, obviously, in the past. And I feel like each one was so specific, right? Like, it felt like when Modern Masters came out, we needed these cards to be reprinted into Modern. We needed Modern to, like, grow as a format, right? And today, Modern is probably the most popular competitive format. Um, it's the format most people that are grinders, quote unquote, kind of lean towards. Right. Um, so the fact that, you know, we've gotten these past master sets has really injected uh, the format, uh, including the Horizon set has definitely made the format 
uh, more mainstream and the card accessibility is there. And I feel like with Commander Masters, uh, essentially what we're doing is we're taking a lot of potentially these Commander cards that have been reprinted for a while. Maybe they've only seen one reprinting. Uh, maybe it's a card like Ur-Dragon that we're looking at right now. Maybe, mm -hmm. you know, it's a popular yeah. commander that is still really expensive because, well, it's a damn good commander. And I think that Commander Masters is going to be really, really important to kind of giving us uh, these necessary reprints and giving us these cards that commander players are going to be able to kind of use and gives people kind of like an idea, hopefully, into what commanders like and can lead into the Doctor Who essentially by kind of like jump-starting your commander knowledge and your commander uh, collection. And then by the time, you know, the Doctor Who comes out, then you already have an idea of what commander is, and you can kind of like start to slot in there and grab some cards and kind of build your other decks if you need to uh, off of that. But I I'm excited for Commander Masters. It's going to be good, I think. Really mm -hmm. good for the game. But Hollywood, let's not forget about the foils. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm one of those commander players where, like, all my cards got to be foil. You know what I mean? And we have like tons of different booster variants and all of these booster variants come in foil. So I'm excited to see that. There's like etched foils in this set. There's extended art foils in this set. You know, whatever floats your boat, alternate art, extended foils, whatever you want to call them. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and Jeweled Lotus is definitely one of them. This will be mm -hmm. the only, this is the first reprint of Jeweled Lotus, right? Yeah. And And, you know, it's, um, such a powerful card, first of all, to a card that not a whole lot of commander players have because it was in the first Commander Legends set, um, mm -hmm. which you can barely find anywhere. I can't find it anywhere. And, you know, I want to get my hands on this extended foil jeweled lotus or an etched foil jeweled lotus. Um, so, of course, now I have the outs to be able to do that uh, through this new set while pulling other awesome foils that I don't need. But I want it. <laughs> I hear that. My the thing about Commander Masters that I'm most excited about. One, I find it funny that an actual product named Commander Masters is coming out because I feel like for the last couple of years, people have just kind of been taking mix and matching words to come up with joke set names, and I feel like Commander Masters is one that I've heard people throw around. It's like, man, yeah. you know. Next up, we're gonna have Commander Masters. It's like, well, yeah, actually, yes. This time we do. Yeah. Um, so I think that's I think that's fun. But the fact the cards that they've shown that they're going to be reprinting. We've seen Jewel Lotus, we've seen Ur Dragon. We saw, I believe, Sliver Grave Mother and then the Capture of Jing Zhao is another one. It's an extra turn spell that was originally printed in Portal 3 Kingdoms. The thing that all of these have in common is that they are very expensive right now on the secondary market yeah. uh, because of scarcity. That's really the thing. It's, there's just not a lot of them in circulation. And so we're going to see more of them hitting that secondary market. And I have a feeling we're going to see prices drop, which is fantastic. Because cards like Jewel Lotus, I mean, this is power in Commander. It absolutely is. I know yep. there's a lot of debate over is it really that impactful. But like, if you have a Commander that costs four or more, yes, it's great. Like It's just actually, or if, three, or if you have a monocolor three drop Commander, turn one Commander with stuff. Anyway, you could do, it's it's good, bottom line. <laughs> it's very, very good. Um and if it's going to be so powerful, a lot of people are going to want to have their, you know, have access to it. Mm -hmm. And so naturally, getting reprinting it makes just a ton of sense. And same same is true with Ur Dragon. Like Ur Dragon is it's the de facto dragon commander. If you're going to do five color dragon commander, like if you don't pick the Ur Dragon, honestly, if you if you sat down across from somebody and they had say Tiamat in their command zone, you might ask, well, why isn't that the Ur Dragon? The response you're usually going to get is because I didn't have sixty dollars to spend on one piece right. of cardboard. You know, like that's usually the right. answer. Um, well, now that might change. You know, we might see that price finally drop a little bit because it won't. Because Ur Dragon, I believe, was only printed in I think it was what Commander 2016 or mm -hmm. yeah, and that was it. It was just that one precon Commander deck, and the uh, there were a couple of other uh, commanders in those products that haven't been reprinted as well the other one that comes to my mind is edgar markov uh which oh, yeah. they haven't confirmed that that eddie here is going to be in this commander product but if they're including ur dragon Man. i would be shocked if, if ed's not in here it's going to be like yeah. a 200 card Ed, yeah. edgar has only ever been printed as a judge promo outside of this yeah um and the judge promo edgar you know last i checked was like 150 bucks or something I'm like sure. this, just yeah. because um it only has that other printing um, and was only released as a judge promo if you attended a judge conference. 
right? So, you know, there aren't a whole lot out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it makes it definitely desirable. Um, you know, one thing I, I definitely wanted to mention about Commander Masters is can we talk about the Commander decks being all new cards? Like yeah. the the Sliver deck. Are you telling me I get a 100-card deck, 99-card deck plus Commander of all new Sliver cards? Because that's insane. And then, you know, an entire colorless Eldrazi Commander deck with a brand new Eldrazi Titan, maybe, as uh, our Commander. Like, how does that work in the lore? Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's got it's got plenty of uh, implications in it, I think. Um and I believe the colorless Eldrazi gives your other colorless spells cascade. Cascade, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, if, they, if they, all colorless spells you cast from your hand with mana value seven or greater have cascade, cascade. Sign me up. I'm showing up. I'm buying the Eldrazi <laughs> commander deck. I'm sleeving up a precon, which has to be insane, and I'm sitting down and playing a commander pod. Like, mm-hmm. if there's ever any decks you want to buy out of the box and you're new to commander, and you got a little bit more money to spend. Commander Masters has got to be that product, right? You want something that's competitive, that's going to, you know, be able to compete with, you know, people who've been playing Commander for a while. I'm pretty sure this is the product you want to purchase. Definitely. Yeah. I'm kind of agree. It, it looks like it's going to be just fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And we're and as the as we get more updates on these sets, tune back into this podcast because we will do spoiler reveals. We will be talking about individual cards as they get as they get revealed. So that is going to be a thing moving forward, just so everybody's aware. Um, so the other than Commander Masters, there's one other set that's going to be coming out in September, which is going to be coming into standard, uh, Wilds of Eldraine. We haven't seen too much about it, but before we move on, I just wanted to just quickly touch on it. Do you have any impressions about Wilds of Eldraine? Do either guys ha- have thoughts on that? Uh, I'm excited to see uh, Adventures make a comeback. I know some people will probably be upset with that statement. <laughs> and I'm usually like kind of interested in what... Um, you know, because, like, it hasn't been that long since Eldraine came out. Um, whereas, like, let's say we're going to Ravnica and then returning to Ravnica was a really big jump. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see what reprints, uh, if any, they include in Wilds of Eldraine that essentially are kind of like a callback to uh, the original throne of Eldraine. So I think that's going to be interesting. And, yeah, food. Food's going to be good. Yeah. And if you remember the last Eldraine set, uh how could we forget <laughs> it did a lot to magic the gathering can you know we could talk about oko we can talk about once upon a time we could talk about other broken cards that still exist in formats like fires of invention mm-hmm. right um we could talk about you know um <laughs> just so many good cards in that set and i think the new the new storyline behind walls of Eldraine is it's a war between will kenrith and Rowan Kenrith um, to see who's going to take uh, Kenrith's spot as the ruler of the realm. Um, but, you know, I might say, I'm pretty sure the last time we saw Garuk was on Eldraine, and Garuk was chasing down some gingerbread people. And so I hope that we see Garuk make a return, because we haven't seen this character in a little while. Um, to see what they are up to and are they still cursed we don't know what's happened after march on the machines and that storyline right how all the realms mm-hmm. uh all all the multiverse was affected a different way we saw that with aftermath right with planeswalkers losing their spark what happened to group what happened to oko i'm more excited to hear about the storyline to see what's mm-hmm. happened because Eldraine got invaded so that's going to affect how all of these different cards are designed um and ultimately, what is going to be the power level of standard following the new rule, which has extended standard for a year? Um, and Wilds of Eldraine would not have been a set included in the current standard format. So it's going to be interesting to take a look at the cards that come from the set and how they fit in. Yeah, it's going to be a lot less like, um, you know, usually when we look around that time, uh, September the quote-unquote old sets are leaving and the format kind of just becomes like uh, just a few sets so uh, a lot of cards that wouldn't normally get played kind of get played more so it's going to be interesting to see how much of an impact Eldraine has 
considering that by the time Aldrin comes out, we are actually still going to have a meta game. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. You know, not something that we've had in the past. And you know, your current standard metagame is very diverse since they banned a couple cards, right? Mm-hmm. We lost three cards from uh, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty, Rector Bankbuster, Fable the Mirror Breaker, and Invoke Despair. And it, had they not extended standard a year, standard's oldest set in rotation would have been Dominaria United. So you still would have had to deal with like Shieldred the Apocalypse, right? Which is definitely still a mainstay of the metagame. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like how Standard is evolved. It's more diverse since we've got those three cards out of the format. But will more bannings come with the introduction of a new set that wouldn't have been in that original rotation? Um, will they have to do something to get the newer cards played? Or are we going to have a second Broken Eldraine set? So, uh, you know, uh, I'm interested to see if yeah. uh, anything's going to be changed. It'll definitely be interesting. I hope that they take the themes and the spirit of the original Eldraine and then just kind of take the power dial and dial it back a little bit. That's my hope. Um, But yeah, because I I feel like the setting and the flavor of the original Eldraine was excellent and it just got completely overshadowed by how busted the cards were. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they were banning cards like once every three months. Those mm -hmm. cards just getting banned. Oh, if yeah. I could see one card reprinted out of Eldraine into the new Eldraine set, I want it to be Brazen Borrower. Because that card isn't overtly powerful, but it's very good. So good. Um, and also is played in other formats outside of Standard, right? So if they're going to continue this, go on an adventure uh, thing with the ability to flash a fairy in at a 3-1 for 3 mana... Sounds good. Sounds playable to me. Um, and I'd be excited to play with the card again if it gets a reprint. I'd be down for that. Absolutely. Although that, that gives me, you know, memories of Simic Flash. Um, before Teferi Time Raveler came in, it just kind of kicked that deck in the teeth. But mm-hmm. I definitely played against that plenty. And, uh, yeah, the Flash Fairies and the Nightpack Ambushers. I, I personally don't want to go back to that just because that deck dunked on me a lot. But uh-huh. that's, <laughs> that doesn't mean it's a bad thing to have in the meta. It's just... <laughs> Anyway, it's like, I'd like to cast a spell. No, you don't. By the way, I'm going to hit you now. Oh, but hey. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, no, Brazen Bar was sick. That's a, that's a good shout. And uh, I feel like there are a lot of great cards that were definitely solid and playable in Eldraine that they could easily reprint here that could could be pretty excellent in a new meta and maybe get a chance to shine that we didn't have before. Definitely uh, a lot of cards and a lot of things to be excited about here in the next uh, couple months of Magic. Absolutely. Uh, you know, we kind of have products for everybody. We go from Lord of the Rings to Commander Masters. Uh, we had a standard set in Doctor Who. I mean, it feels like we kind of just like we're hitting a lot and everybody's getting a little piece uh, of the cardboard, as the, you say. Um, Absolutely. It's yeah. pretty interesting. Pretty cool. Yeah, no question. So I'm looking at the time and I'm realizing this kind of brings us to the end of our first edition of the Magic Jank podcast. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for for joining me here today. This is an absolute delight. And dear viewer, listener, however you're consuming this, thank you for being here with us. We really appreciate it. Please leave a review, comment, like, subscribe, whatever it's called on the platform where you're listening or watching this. Uh, We would really appreciate it. And also, if you have any thoughts or questions that you would like us to address on the show, we have a Discord server with a podcast channel you know feel free to jump on in there's a link to that in the description below um or in the description of this episode or you can tweet at us at magic jank on twitter with the hashtag jank mail and we will get to your questions you know on air next week so thank you so much and we will catch you on the next one catch you next time all right i think we're good Can you tell I didn't think of a sign-off? All right.